0: Amen. Put your hands together. You know the Lord is wonderful. He's worthy to be praised. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. We glorify God this morning, God. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, waking us up this morning, God. Thanking you, God, for giving us a mind to come out to your house of worship. God, we truly want to come and worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that your words might come through me. And that, God, these your people will hear your words and not my words, God. Speak through your word, God. God, speak through your preacher. For how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? So, God, we're asking right now, Father... That your spirit will fall fresh in this place. That, Lord, you might be glorified in everything that is said from this sacred desk. God, we honor you today. We bless your name today. It is in Jesus' mighty and matchless name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, and thank God. Thank and praise God for being here this morning. We give special thanks to our mothers who have joined us, Mother Haynes, amen. Mother Watson, amen. Been on our second shut-in list. And Deacon Ross, you know it's always good to see you, man. Amen, God bless you. And also, Sister Ora Beard, I see you're with us as well this morning. We thank God for you this morning. Amen. Tell me that God won't answer prayer. Amen, amen. The prayers of the righteous will avail much. God said, if you would just pray, he'll do the rest. Amen, amen, amen. Listen here, we're going to, we're going to continue with our theme of uh, evangelism, but we're going to take a different approach this morning to evangelism. Because this morning, we want to deal with you. We want to deal with me. We want to deal with what's on the inside of you what's on the inside of me. Because in order for us to be effective in what we do in evangelism and being a witness, there's a high level of credibility that we must have. Listen here, when we speak on behalf of the Almighty God, it's one thing to speak on behalf of yourself. But when you're speaking on behalf of God, you better make sure that you're rooted in Christ Jesus. So if you would, open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, the second chapter. The Gospel of John, second chapter, beginning at verse number 23, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. And it reads like this. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast days many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and need not that any should testify of man For he knew what was in man. I'd like to take for a subject matter this morning. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Just by raising a hand, how many have said that before? The Lord knows my heart. Usually when we say this, that the Lord knows our heart, we say it because we're not measuring up to what we believe that God expects from us. But to help us get through difficult times and situations where we fail God, we utter the words, the Lord knows my heart. And what it implies is that, that, that my heart really wants to do what you say do, Jesus. But because of the circumstances and the situations that's going on within me, I just can't do it right now. And it really helps us feel better about ourselves when we utter the words, God knows my heart. Well, understand the fact that that's a part of the problem right there. Because the reality of it is is that God really does know your heart. As a matter of fact, this is what he says. He said that your heart, my heart, all of our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? I've been telling you. I've been pleading with you. I've been teaching on our good Christian character. It is necessary that we as believers are living what we are preaching and what we are talking about. Because all of us that have come in here under the auspice of being a Christian don't always live like a Christian. Don't always walk like a Christian. And the sad reality of it is, and I ain't judging, some of us ain't Christians. And God knows. Because it's only God that can know the heart of an individual. The Bible said that that, that in that day that many would come saying that that, that they're they're Christians, that they're saved. And here's God's, Jesus' response. He said, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, for I never knew you. I've been asking you to, to examine yourself. Because the reality of it is, the only one that really knows where you are is you and God. Yeah, you, you, you know within yourself where you really at. The scripture tells us in, in, in 2 Corinthians, the, the, the 13th chapter, verse number 5, he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. He goes on, he said, to prove yourself or to test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test? It's telling us that we're to self-examine ourselves. We're to take inventory of ourselves, and what this requires it requires you taking a pause. Just, just, just take a moment out of your busy day, out of your busy schedule. Begin to evaluate your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Listen here, ask yourself, why am I here this morning? What did I come into this holy place for this morning? Am I just here because that's what I normally do on Sundays? or have I really come that I might be able to uplift the Lord Jesus Christ? Did I I come to praise him and to worship him? Lamentations says the same thing. God has always been consistent with us examining ourselves. He tells the children of Israel, he said, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return unto the Lord. The psalmist in Psalms 123 puts it like this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxieties. See if there is any offense. Weigh in me and lead me to the everlasting way. So, so not only are we to examine ourselves. But we should be asking God, God, search my heart. Lord, see if there's anything within me that should not be there. Because where a man's treasure is, there his heart is also. In, In other words, whatever you value, that's where your heart will be. And if you value the gospel message... If you value your relationship with God, then your heart will be right. But most times we don't really value that. We, we, we value what we can touch, what we can handle, what we can feel. We, we value cars and, and, and houses and jobs and education. Those are the things we put our value on. But it's not until you value what God has done until you value what God is doing. You see, that's the message that we take to this world. That God is the savior of the world. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And because God sent Jesus, it shows and demonstrates that God values us. The scripture said that Jesus died for the sins of the world. In other words, there's no one that escapes that. No one escapes the grace of God. But you got to receive it by faith. you got to trust God by faith. Here, here, here in this text, the second chapter opens up with the first recorded miracle of Jesus Christ. You, you know the story in Canaan. Jesus and his disciples were invited to a wedding. And right along the middle part of the wedding feast, the liquor ran, no, I'm just joking. The wine ran out. That's what most people would say. And so Jesus' mother comes to him say, "Listen, he said, "We have no wine. The wine is gone." And Jesus tells her, he said, "Woman, what have I to do with this? My time has not come yet." But his mother expressed faith that Jesus would do the right things. And he, she tells them that whatever he saying, do whatever He says. And so Jesus replenishes all of... The wine. He turns water into wine. This was a great and a significant miracle. This is a miracle that really could not be denied. And the folk were so impressed by the miracle in which Jesus had performed that people began to follow him based upon the miracles. And I guess my question to you is, well, why, why, why are you following him? Are, are you following him because of what he did back on Calvary? Are you merely just following him for what he can do for you today? There's a whole lot of folk are just following Jesus for what they can get out of Jesus right now. And you really discount in disregard what he did back over 2,000 years ago where he died for your wretched sin and your soul was saved by that. You minimize Christ and his work when all you want from him is the stuff that he offers to you. It's a sin and a shame for you to always go to God and the only thing you, do, you got your hand stuck out. You got faith that he gonna bless you. So, so so in this we see in verse number 23 what's known as a superficial faith. A superficial faith is just that surface faith. There's a whole lot of religious folk that have a superficial faith. It's not a faith that really goes to the core, just on the surface. Look what he says. He said, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast, many believed in his name. Understand that it's not just enough just to believe, a surface belief. The scripture tells us in Romans 10, that we are to believe unto righteousness. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. That's the innermost part of man. In other words, this belief is transformative. It comes to transform your life. When you have a superficial faith, there is no transformation. You're just in in it for what you can get out of it. That's what this crowd's response was. They were were moved by what Jesus had done. It generated an excitement in them. Most folk took this miracle as an entertainment. Because even back then, people wanted to be entertained. And it has not stopped. Most times in the churches today, we just want to be entertained. We, we, we don't want to have transformed lives. We don't want to have tr- lives that have been completely transformed by the power and the word of God. And so we sit up in here and you hear what the word says and you leave out of here forgetting what you even looked like before you even got here. You, what, what do you think, that, that, that we preach just for our health? No, 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 there's a purpose in preaching. There's a purpose in teaching. And that purpose is that you might be helped, that your lives might be transformed, that you might be converted into the image of Christ. You take on the nature of Christ. And the nature of Christ is reflected in your Christian conduct. It's how you conduct yourselves. It's how you live before God and man. Because you can fool man, but you'll never fool God. You see, you see this superficial faith that you have is a surface level commitment to God. That's why you, you, you can't endure. That's why you won't stick and stay to anything. You see, because superficial Christians can walk out and leave, drop everything that they're doing for God. You see, superficial Christians will leave when something better else comes along. It don't take much for superficial faith Christians to stop coming and worshiping God. You know, you, you, you can praise him when things are going well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But let, let trouble come your way. Let trouble arise in your life. That's, that, that's when genuine faith must kick in. You see, I, I, I've been through the storms. And I'm going to testify to you that, that God will rock you and keep you even in the midst of a storm. I'm a testimony that God will bring you through a storm of life. And I got the faith to prove it. Because I don't care what comes my way, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to lean upon him. I'm going to depend upon him. Cuz Satan has already hit me with his best shot. I got more than just a superficial faith. Superficial faith is a is a conditional faith. God, you must meet certain conditions in order for me to trust you. If you you don't meet my demands, God, I I, I can no longer trust you. I'm going to start trusting in myself. Well, God, because you won't handle this, let me handle it. But understand that that's that's what God wants us sometimes. He He wants us under the pressure and the weights of this world. He he wants us in places where there's trouble on every side. He wants us in places where we must completely trust him. Completely have our faith in him. These people had a very superficial faith. It wasn't one that was built upon who God and who Jesus was. Built upon what they seen. What they had heard what they had experienced. Salvation is never about that. Salvation is about your belief in what God has done. What he's done over 2,000 years ago. That's what it's really about. And if you put your faith in anything else, if you put your faith in a man, if you put your faith in a woman, if you put your faith in your resources, you've got misplaced faith. And you'll find yourself bankrupt. Look at what the text says. That they believed them because uh, they saw the miracles. Understand, this is no different than in the gospel when Jesus fed 5,000 with two fish and five barley loaves of bread. A great miracle that could not be denied. And when Jesus had departed from them and went to the other side, they came to him and they wanted to make him king over them. It wasn't because of who he was that they wanted to make him king over them. It was because the fish and the loaves, because what he had fed them with. Their whole ideology was that if, if he becomes our king, we'll never hunger again. The reality of it is that's true. But we're not talking about a physical food. We're talking about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. That's what genuine faith does. It fills you up. It gives you the nourishment that you need spiritually. You so concerned about this physical body. Did you not know this physical body is going to die? But your soul, the most precious thing you have, is going to live forever? You make provisions for this body, why not make provisions for your soul? And it takes a genuine faith to do that. It's not a hope so faith. I have a blessed hope that when I go to God, and I make my request known unto God that in faith and it is according to His will, God's going to do it for me. And look how Jesus responds to that. In verse number 24, he says this. He says, "But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because He knew all men." Here here it is that they had a superficial faith in him. But Jesus had no faith in their faith. He knew their hearts. He, He knew exactly where they were coming from. And the reality of it, brothers and sisters, Jesus knows your heart too. And he knows exactly where you're coming from. And if you want God to really commit himself to you, then you must examine yourself and make sure that you have a faith that is genuine and not superficial. You can tell by how you work. You, 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 you see the demonstration of faith by how you work, how you conduct yourself. You 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 remember when 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 the man who was paralyzed had his four friends bring him to Jesus. And as they were carrying him in, the Bible said that Jesus saw their faith. And Jesus sees your faith as well. He knows what level of faith you're at. You want the blessings of God, but you don't want the genuine faith that comes along with it. Because when you have genuine faith, it'll cost you something. Yes, it will. it'll make you put down some stuff you've been doing you ain't got no business doing. It'll it'll make you love your enemies. It'll make you return good for evil. There are many times that your faith will cause you to shut your mouth sometimes and not say a word. That's what genuine faith does. God wants us to have that faith. Jesus wouldn't commit to them because he knew they were phony. He knew they weren't real in their commitment to him. And so what about you? What about me? Again, what what will we do with this message? How, 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 How will you handle this one? Because Jesus sees it all. He's looking at it all. Genuine faith is a faith that endures. It perseveres. It's not a shallow faith. It's a faith that can withstand the test of time. And we are to test our faith. 1 Peter 1 and 7, it said, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perish, even though refined by fire, may result in a praise of glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. Your faith is going to be tested. Is it going to be pure gold? Can, Can it withstand the fire and the test that this world comes to give us? maybe maybe, maybe you're not being tested. Well, the truth of the matter is that if if your faith is not being tested, maybe you don't have that genuine faith. God knows your heart. He knows your heart. True faith perseveres. Hebrews 11 and 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We have to persevere. In other words, you've got to be able to put up with some stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily put up with. You you, you can't be so quick to want to hit back and strike back. You can't be so quick to feel discouraged and, and dejected by men. Because I don't work for the praise of men at all. I work because I'm a servant of the Most High God. And let me tell you something if God is pleased with me, I don't care what nobody else thinks about me. Because my objective is to please Him. It's with faith that we please him. So my prayer is that God, um, that my faith would please you, God. That God, I would humble myself to a place to where God, you can use me. Because pride is one of the the, the biggest enemies against our faith. Here's When you start thinking more of yourself than you ought to think of yourself, When when you begin to exalt yourself up to a place to where God can't do nothing with you and can't nobody else do anything with you either. But God, keep me humble. Keep my head out the clouds, God. Lord, keep me in a place where, God, you can use me. And that's a part of the problem when it comes to our evangelism. That we become prideful. God can't use us to win others, because the reality of it is, is that most times you're the last one to see the pride in your own life. Other people can see it, and most times you won't hear you won't hear from nobody. It takes God to tell you. It takes God to bring you down to a place to where you have no other objective but to look to him in faith. We shouldn't have to go there. You should hear the words of the scriptures that pride comes before destruction. Destruction. It is a hearty heart that God despises. It's a puffed up heart that God despises. It's when you trust in yourself. It's when you become self-sufficient. It's when you step in and want to handle things, when God says, listen, I got this. He's trying to fight battles apart from faith. Apart from trusting God. Listen here. James 1 and 12. Beautifully written. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Faith is being tested. What is Jesus saying about your faith? Has He committed to you? You see, because when Jesus commits to you, you have the favor of God. And the favor of God it comes through your obedience to God. That's what it comes through. God gives you His best. As a matter of fact, he gave you his best. And understand that God has given you everything that he desires for you to have right now. There's more to come. As we walk in obedience to him. As we demonstrate this genuine faith that he's given us. That's what he desires to do. Why? Because Jesus knows your heart. In verse number 25, he says, And need not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knows what's inside of us. You see, because we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, at the point of salvation, Jesus comes in. And not only does Jesus come in, but the Holy Spirit comes in at the moment of salvation. He comes in to seal you until the day of redemption. In other words, he comes to keep you even through the midst of your trials and your tribulation. God is keeping you. Don't get caught up in self. Because even you will let you down. Even you will disappoint you. But God came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. God comes to give abundant life. He gives us natural life, but he'll give us abundant life. But did you not know that that's not even the best life that you can live? Abundant life is good but it's not the best life that you can have. You see, because the best life is yet to come. You are not living your best life right now. There's a better life to come. As a matter of fact, the best life is yet to come. And that is eternal life. God came to give us eternal life. Why are we settling for this down here? Why, 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 why are you sitting there just settling for, for, for peanuts? When God has great, have the greatest meal prepared for you, that's on the other side. Because those who have been saved by grace will sit down at the welcome table when we get there. And I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Yes, I'll work while I'm down here. But I realize that there's something better on the other side of here. There's a greater blessing on the other side of here. And I'm working for a well done. I keep on working until Christ comes. My faith won't allow me to sit down on him. My faith compels me to share this goodness with other folk. This is what genuine faith does. It causes you to open your mouth and share your testimony with those who are without. It compels you to share the gospel message to those who are lost. It does not matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what race they are. Doesn't matter what kind of social status that they have. Doesn't matter whether they're rulers and high callers or anything like that. You share the gospel with them. Because the same gospel it takes to save the high and the mighty is the same gospel it takes to save those who are low. and in the pitfalls of life. It's the same gospel message. Here it is right here. That Jesus came to give his life a ransom. He came to redeem the world. He came to do for you what you could not do for yourself. That's what he came for. The Bible said that he came to set the captives free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom there. God came to set you free this morning. He came to loose the bounds that are binding you up. Every sickness, every disease, every mental anguish, God came to free you from it. And he did that by his Son, Jesus Christ. The one he sent from heaven. Wrapped himself up into flesh. Took on the form of a man. Became a servant. Served even to the point of death. Jesus came on purpose and with a purpose. Came that he might give his life. They nailed him to a cross. Pierced him in his hands and in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. All of this was done that you might be free. There on that cross he died. As Mama said, he was graveyard dead. Even to the point to where they took him off the cross, put him in a tomb. He stayed there all day Friday and all night Saturday night, all day Saturday. But early Sunday morning, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That's the gospel message. It's as simple as that. But it must come from a place of genuineness. Sincerity. God knows your heart. He knows whether or not you really receive this. He knows whether you're really saved or not. And one of the biggest injustices that you can do for yourself is that you not know your own heart. You keep rejecting what God has given you. You keep rejecting this perfect gift that God has given you. That's a tragedy. God wants you to be saved. He paid an awful price for you to be saved. And how dare you sit down on that? Jesus didn't commit himself to him because he knew what was in them. God knows your heart, and I pray that you know it as well. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open, open to those that perhaps you've been sitting in church and maybe you're unsure Maybe you've just been going through the motions. Maybe you have not really put that full faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no shame in that. You'll be amazed at the people who are sitting in churches that have not committed themselves unto God. Is there one? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? You can come by Christian experience or you can come and give your life to Christ today. Is there one? Another. Amen. You may be seated in prayer. Good afternoon, Macedonia. To Pastor Minor and the entire Macedonia Baptist Church, we have coming on Christian Experience, Brother Marvin Hayden, and he's coming from Principal of Faith Missionary Baptist Church. Brother Hayden, please stand to your feet. Please stand to your feet. God bless you. You've been coming for quite some time, man. Listen, I've been praying about you. Listen, I know your faithfulness, man. You have been faithful, more faithful than some of our members. (laughs) But I just want you to know that I bless God for you being here today. Because what every church needs is more men like you. Amen, amen. 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 more men that know the value of a commitment. And that I see in you. I want you to know that I love you and I bless God for you. Amen. We're going to ask that you go reverend register. He's going to have prayer with you and have you fill out some things and we're going to give you the right hand of fellowship on next Sunday. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand and a clap of praise. Well, get prepared because we're going to be in the book of John for a little while. Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about the danger of religion, the danger of a religion. Amen. We're going to ask now that we prepare ourselves to take our communi- communion. Ask our deacons to come now and, uh, yeah, right. Professional faith. Call our new members, All right? Go ahead. Good afternoon again. I stand before you to bring forth our new members as of October the 1st. 2023, and we have two coming by Christian experience. As I call your name, would you please come forward and stand before Pastor Minor? We have, by Christian experience, we have Deanna Gillum Arthur. Amen. Amen. We also have Alexander Spencer. Amen, amen. Okay. Amen. God bless you. We're going to ask that you make your public profession of faith. And that simply says that I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And we'll start with you. With another example. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. With saying that, how long will you serve him? Forever is a good answer. God bless you. God bless you. Will you witness to others about the goodness of God? and be a testimony of how he saved you. Amen, amen. Will you pray for your loved ones as well as your enemies? Will you come to Sunday morning worship service on a regular basis, as well as attend Bible study? We have Bible study online, so you can attend attend online, and Sunday school, that's where your faith is grown at. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, amen? Okay, so you agree to that? All right. I'm going to ask you to turn around and take a look at your new church family. This is your family. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is your new church family. Macedonia, I want you to put your arms around them and love them. Show them the personality of Macedonia Baptist Church as being a loving church. Amen. Amen. We're going to ask you to just take a seat on the side here. Amen. Amen. Now we'll prepare for our communion. Our communion scripture is taken from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And the reason, verse number 23: For I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take. Eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Again, here we see it. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. But he that eateth, And drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause or result of, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hungers, let him eat at home, that ye come not together under condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Then I said, just stand to your feet that you bow your head. This is the most sacred thing that we do here. This is the ordinance of the church. This is what Christ uh, gave us. That we might remember the awesome price that was paid for us. This is for believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is for the people who have a genuine faith in Christ. And so we're going to ask that God will forgive us. Because even though we have, been, have this genuine faith, we still sin. And so we must confess every sin that we've committed before you take this. This is serious. The Bible said that, that many are sickly and weak and some even sleep. That means die because of this. So let us go before the Lord. The eternal and everlasting Father, we come to you this morning, God. We thank you. We thank you for all that you do, Father. We honor you for who you are, Father. We're so grateful and so thankful, God, for what you've done for us, Father. How could we ever forget what you did for us on Calvary's cross? The great punishment that you took. Every stripe that you took. Every nail that you took. Every piercing in the side that you took. God, the crown of thorns that they placed upon your head, Father, as you hung there in agony and you gave up the ghosts, you died for us, God. But thanks be to God that, Lord, you didn't stay dead, but God, you rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in your hand, God. And we're praying, God, that you'll forgive us of our sins, God. We're praying, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you will look upon our hearts, Father, because God you know our hearts and God if there's anything that is impure in our hearts God if there's anything that we've done Heavenly Father Lord in these physical bodies God any wrong motives Heavenly Father Lord any lies any deceptions God we ask that you'll forgive us God of our sin that you'll wash us and cleanse us thoroughly God Lord, we ask that you'll bless these elements, God, that, Lord, that they might line up with what we believe in our hearts, God, that the wine represents the blood and the bread represents your body, Father, this do in remembrance of me. So, God, we're praying that we will always remember each and every time we take communion what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, and thank God. We're going to ask you to follow the directions of our ushers. Come from the rear. Please receive your communion. Please do not open it until you get back to your seat. Yes,